Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Unknown History Podcast. I'm your host, Giles Milton, author of Checkmate in Berlin. This is episode 97, titled The Great Berlin Power Struggle. It's an exclusive segment from a new history audiobook I think you'll love from our friends at Macmillan Audio. Colonel Frank Howley was determined to prevent the Soviets from wresting control of the Western-run districts of Berlin, but he knew it would be an uphill struggle. He was increasingly strident in his criticism of official American policy, which he described as appeasement of the Russians at any price in an attempt to win them over. He was also irritated by reminders from Washington that his role was to allay their suspicions and to gain their friendship and cooperation. He privately vowed to take a more combative approach, even if it meant crossing swords with the White House and State Department. There's only one way to deal with gangsters, Russian, uniformed or otherwise, he said with a scowl, and that is to treat them like gangsters. He would later describe lying awake at night, trying to think up ways to keep the Russians from stealing the city from under us. The opening shots of the ensuing power struggle were fired in the Allied Kommandatura, the four-power body established to run Berlin. It had been officially convened in the first week of July 1945, but it had proven near impossible to find a building in which it could meet. The Americans eventually suggested the half-ruined headquarters of the Nazi Labour Front in their sector of the city. Within days, it was reglazed, replastered and repainted by 250 American workmen. The main meeting room was sober and functional, furnished with a long banqueting table, 20 blue upholstered armchairs and several rows of smaller seats for the advisers, stenographers and interpreters. This wood panel chamber was to be the stage set for events that were, in the words of Frank Cowley, as portentous in world implications as the Hall of Mirrors at Versailles. The key players in the Commandatura included Colonel Howley for America and Brigadier Hind for Britain. They represented their respective areas of Western Berlin, and it was they who were to fight tooth and nail with the Soviets over the city's destiny. Colonel Howley sat next to his Soviet counterpart, with Hind opposite him and his soon-to-arrive French comrade in the adjacent chair, all of them surrounded by advisers. Howley regarded himself as the first among equals of this four-square phalanx, a do-or-die warrior who attended meetings in full combat dress. If his clothing and boots sent an unambiguous message that he was on the warpath, his blunt tongue would do even more to turn the commandatura into a bear pit. His American compatriots had a sneaking admiration for the bellicose fashion in which he represented his country's interests. Among the admirers was William Heimlich, a senior figure in US intelligence who listened in jaw-dropped amazement as Howley fired off one of his explosive tirades. 
Well, of course, I don't expect you to tell me the truth, was a typical opening salvo to his Soviet counterpart. You lie, you always lie, and no matter what you're going to tell me, it's not going to be the truth. Heimlich averred that Howley's approach won the grudging respect of the Soviets, but it also earned their deep-seated enmity. It was not long before they viewed him as a formidable enemy, with Berlin's Soviet-backed newspapers variously describing him as a terrorist and a provocateur of civil war. Howley's lack of decorum was viewed with disquiet by the British team, who felt he was inflaming an already tense situation. Harold Hayes had enjoyed Howley's ebullient spirit during their time in Barbizon, but he now found him thrustful, intolerant and impetuous with a great love of showmanship and publicity. Above all, he thought him extremely self-centred and individualistic. Seated opposite Howley at the Commandatura table was the scrupulously fair-minded Brigadier Hind. He came equipped with enough old-school British charm to disarm even the frostiest of Soviet interlocutors. Less combative than Colonel Howley and more attuned to the conventions of diplomacy, he attended meetings in immaculate service dress, all white flannels and shiny leather belts. It was his way of showing that there was a right way of conducting the weighty affairs of state. Brigadier Hines' negotiating style was that of an even-handed cricket umpire, with Colonel Howley noting that the British team was inclined to show great annoyance at anything smacking of twisted truth. The Soviet team on the Commandatura was led by an incoming lieutenant general named Dmitry Smirnov, who made a good impression on everyone at the first meeting. Howley described him as a very charming man with a skin of detachment, but he soon discovered that this detachment was used to devastating effect. Smirnov was in the habit of smiling placatingly before launching verbal assaults in which, said Howley, he would wade in and cut us to pieces. Smirnov arrived in Berlin with a team of commissars whose grasp of facts and figures astonished the representatives of the other powers. He was also aided by a team of shadowy political officers, probably NKVD, whose roles and identities were never fully explained. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The most senior of these, said Howley, was a sallow, chain-smoking commissar aged about 36, introduced as Mr. Maximoff, whose true identity was so shrouded in mystery that Western minute-takers were not even allowed to know his first name. 
Colonel Howley took relish in writing about his commandatura colleagues. Three years of studying fine art in Paris had honed his powers of observation, and he produced scores of witty pen portraits tainted by personal prejudice. His description of the Soviet deputy, Colonel Andrei Yelizarov, was particularly colourful. The colonel was described as a big, powerful bruiser who'd married a sister-in-law of Lenin and had forthwith become the father of an astonishing 16-pound baby. Yelizarov was more Russian than caviar. He seldom smiled, and when he did smile, it was like ice breaking up on the Yukon in spring. Those early sessions of the Commandatura were dominated by the problem of feeding Berlin's inhabitants. All agreed that the neediest should get the most calories, but there was no consensus over who was most in need. The Soviets said it was the professional classes, including political leaders, while Howley insisted it was the elderly and infirm. Turning to his Soviet counterpart, he said, you can't kick a lady when she's down. The Russian flashed him an indulgent smile. Why, my dear Colonel Howley, he replied, that is exactly the best time to kick them. Another bone of contention was the continued dismantling of factories and power plants. Howley and Hind were dismayed to see Soviet trains arrive daily at Tempelhof Freight Yard and load up with dismantled equipment, far more than had been sanctioned by the Potsdam Agreement. So savage was their cannibalisation of power plants and so wholesale their theft of generator equipment that only the strongest representation saved Berlin's remaining power supply. In what Howley described as a hot session, he expressed his outrage at their organised looting. The Soviet team answered with shrugs, telling him that their orders were from a higher authority. The British officer Harold Hayes left a very similar account of Soviet tactics to that of Frank Howley. Words in common use are given a sinister twist he wrote after one heated meeting, and an interpretation which only a warped mind could conjure up. Simple phrases are distorted or torn from their context. The Soviet team was equally mistrustful of the Westerners, accusing them of eavesdropping, espionage and dirty tricks. Cunning was the terse assessment of one Soviet official. Over the course of that autumn and winter, the four deputies wrangled over all the most pressing issues, food, looting, shootings and the arrest of Nazis. The Soviet delegation won most of the battles in those early months. Then, once they'd got what they wanted, they'd invite the other three delegations into the adjoining dining room where the tables were charged with smoked meats, caviar and vodka. Howard Hayes felt that the Russians' conviviality masked a plot to force their will on the Western Allies. No matter how friendly they may have appeared or how friendly they wished to be, he said, communism was the goal. Frank Cowley agreed, although, as ever, he used rather stronger language. It's all very well poking our heads in the clouds and saying the Russians are misunderstood, he said. But such rationalisations fail to alter the fact that by our standards or by any standards of common decency, they are liars, swindlers and cutthroats. He had privately vowed to take them on at their own game and to win.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.